Will, this episode of TOEFOP is brought to you by Movement Watches. Oh, damn straight it is. And you and I. But mostly Movement Watches. Join the movement. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. The following episode of TOEFOP is rated M.A. It may contain Batman references, time travel references, sexual references, lost trains of thought, and mild coarse language. TOEFOP advises that the program is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who enjoys succinct, coherent conversation that might actually have a point. Minors must be accompanied by a parent, guardian or priest. This is John Deke speaking. This is Tofop. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. Hello, Charlie. How are you? Good, good. We just were having a discussion off air uh, with Mike Hal uh, about how this is uh, the first episode where we have a title of an episode before we've even begun it. Normally, the process is that we do the show, we send it to uh, Mike Hal to edit, who sends it to James Fosdyke to do the artwork, and James listens to it, comes up with a name, and does appropriate artwork. But I think uh, because James's exhibition is starting this week, he's under the pump, so is coming up with the artwork and the name of the show before we even start. Well, basically, uh, normally it's like a version of what we racistly in Australia call Chinese whispers, but what the rest of the world knows is telephone, <laughs> where, you know, the kind of ideas are whispered from one person to the next person, and then eventually down the chain, they become an idea all of its own. And often when James puts up the title of the episode, I can't remember what it's referring to in any way. Whereas this time... It's like reverse telephone. It's a reverse charges telephone call, whereas he's yeah. given us the title of the episode and then we have to reverse engineer it so that at some stage the title of the episode comes up in the episode. Now, my main fear, Charlie, is that it will work so well that we'll have to do this every week. <laughs> <laughs> it is like a game show or, or it's like a theatre sports game. It's like, oh, you know how sometimes, I don't know if you've ever done this, Will, but, you know, we have a lot of friends who appear on TV from time to time. And there's been a few times I've got a mate who's going to do a live cross or a little chat to camera, and I will ask them if they can throw in a word into the interview, just as a little signal to me out there that I'm watching. I think the last time I did it, a friend of mine, after the Logies, had to do a live cross from the Yarra. And I said, if you can get Bodega into your interview somehow, I'll buy you a beer when you come back to the hotel. He did it. I don't think he used it in the right context, but he did it. Yeah, like it's one of those things where if you can put it into a sentence, that's more effective. If you just at the end of your yeah. interview shout bodega <laughs> as if it's some weird code word to the alt-right or something like that. It's like <laughs> I did my hand signal and I yelled bodega and now we all know what to do. Uh, well, today is going to be a T-mail heavy episode because um, I was going through our mailbag and I realised we've now, fallen Now, Charlie, way sorry, behind. before we get to that, sh should we mention to... Yeah the people what the actual title of the episode is or should we just have it in our minds and at some stage mm. insert it into the conversation secretly and then people will be really yeah. impressed like bodega like we've been given the yeah. secret word and we have to at some stage just weave it subtly into something completely unrelated that we're doing and and then people will like later go oh that was quite clever yeah yeah okay let's do that <laughs> Watch me fuck this up. <laughs> we'll forget. There's no doubt we'll forget to yeah. do this. This will be fire festival all over again. 
Yeah, exactly. Three weeks later, we'll, name, we'll use the name of the episode. Okay. So, uh, first uh, letter is from Nina. Hey, Tofop. Hey, Will and Charlie. Long time listener. First time Tofop respondent. And for the listeners at home, I broke that word down into bite-sized chunks to help Charlie get through it in one go. So thanks, Nina. I appreciate that. I'm fairly sure you guys may have referenced Max Headroom at least once uh, in the last. Does it say where Nina's from? Been going for. Uh, no, no, no. So there is a chance that this Why? is this is there is a chance this is Nina from Pasadena, the the lady that uh, Buddy Franklin named his clothing line afterwards. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's Nina from Pasadena. Nina, we've got a, some correspondence from Buddy Franklin's clothing line, Nina from Pasadena. <laughs> she continues uh, about Max Headroom. I don't think it has been discussed quite enough. <laughs> I would argue that maybe one reference to Max Headroom in this, in this podcast, the history of this podcast, is enough. Uh, but she thinks, especially considering how much you discuss other dystopian future TV and film. You see, I'm a child of 1974, and just like Will, I loved Max Headroom during the 80s when it came out, and sadly had forgotten all about it until I saw a recent post on Facebook that referenced the so-called computer-generated TV host. However, fun fact, in reality, he wasn't actually computer-generated. Now, what are your impressions of Max Hedrum or your memories? Like, were you a fan of Max Hedrum? I didn't realize there were fans of Max Hedrum. I am also a child of 74. Um, so I guess we're of the same era, Nina and I. And um, I remember, here's what I would say um, are my memories of Max Hedrum. I remember yeah. Max Hedrum. The end. Yeah. <laughs> like, I remember yeah. that Max, Max Headroom was a thing that existed. I remember that it was vaguely, he looked a little like me, um, but computer generated. <laughs> um, I remember that I only recently got that Max Headroom was a play on Maximum Headroom, much like Max Power from The Simpsons. Uh, as a kid, yeah. I'm not sure that I understood the in-joke there. Um I don't really remember that much about Max Headroom other than that. Well, my, I put Max Headroom on the same level as like Fido Dido. It is an iconic image from the 80s. It seemed like a short-lived fad. Uh, but I have no, I have no uh, un, uh, understanding or knowledge of the Max Headroom mythos. Um, I feel like it's a kind of thing in the 1980s. If you went to like the Royal Melbourne show, you could probably get like a Max Headroom show bag which would have like, I don't know, you'd probably get some like Max Hedrum sunglasses and a Max Hedrum ruler, maybe like a, because it's, you know, futuristic 3D is one of those 3D rulers that you can twist from side to side and Max's head would move from side to side. Uh, so I've got the Wikipedia page here. I'll run us through uh, some Max okay. Headroom information. Firstly, oh, now that I'm looking at Max Headroom, he does actually remind me of somebody. There's, there's somebody going around at the moment who could actually play Max Headroom if we did a gritty reboot of Max Headroom for this generation because he has a... Oh, mm. you know who it is? We could actually do this. I reckon this would be achievable. Okay, so do you know who Mark Humphreys is? Yeah. Yeah, the political sat. He does political satire, but he also hosts uh, Pointless, the TV show Pointless. Yeah. Uh, Max, yep. he could definitely play Max Headroom in our reboot of Max Headroom. <laughs> Absolutely, one hundred. Give us a call, Mark. Uh, yeah, we'll get give us a call, Mark. We'll, we'll we'll get you on our podcast to discuss whether or not you want to play Max Headroom in the gritty reboot. Okay, so Max Headroom is a fictional artificial intelligence char- character known for his wit, 
and stuttering, distorted, electronically sampled voice. He was introduced in early 1984. Yes, it feels very 1984 to me and not like in a George Orwell type way, but in a the year is 1984. If Captain Marvel had landed back in Australia in 1984 and she'd walked by TV and Max Headroom was on, you would have gone, I know this is 1984. Um, the character was played by George Stone, uh, Annabelle yeah. Jenkel and Rocky Morton. Uh Max was portrayed by Matt Frewer as the world's first computer-generated TV host, although the computer-generated appearance was achieved with prosthetic makeup and hand-drawn backgrounds. That's right. Uh, I get the feeling I'm getting massive TOEFOP deja vu. I feel like we've done this before, but continue. (laughs) Well, if we have, I remember none of this. Uh, The character's personality was partly intended as a satire of insincere and egotistical television personalities. Okay, yeah. Oh, right. A bit like a, the, the, the proto-David Tench. Yes, that's right. Max Headroom was David Tench's father and Max Headroom was embarrassed about <laughs> David Tench. <laughs> Didn't invite him to Christmas. He said, you'll never be as good a talk show host as your father was, Tench. For anyone who's not Australian, just Google David Tench. We don't have time to go into it now. No. Um, okay, the TV series. Um, after the film's success, there was a film. Okay. All right, here we go. Max Headroom originally appeared in the British-made cyberpunk TV movie, Max Headroom, 20 Minutes into the Future, which was broadcast in 1985. After the film's success, the character was spun off into a VJ in the British music video program, The Max Headroom Show, which is what I remember, whose first episode... Oh, so he's one of those... Is he one of those celebrities like Arj Barker who's like only had a little bit of success at home but finds big success in another country? Yeah, he was yeah, massive in Australia, like the goodies. Uh, the Max Headroom yeah. Show, uh, whose first episodes unusually featured no introductory title sequence or end credits. Okay. Um... Here we go. Uh, All right. So they made... uh, Cinemax produced a fourth season of the talk show on its own called The Original Talking Max Headroom Show. Um, The final spin-off was a dramatic television series, Max Headroom, which was broadcast in the United States running for two short seasons. So, okay. All right. So there's been quite a lot of different versions of Max Headroom. I remember that. I think in Australia that was uh, it was on the Nine Network. I think they show it after MTV on a Saturday night, I'm pretty sure. Okay, here we go. I'm going to look up the plot of Max Headroom 20 minutes into the future because I think this is as interesting as anything. Um, the, film okay. int- the film introduces Edison Carter, a television reporter trying to expose corruption and greed. Carter discovers mm. that his employer, Network 23 has created a new form of subliminal advertising called blipverts that can be fatal to certain viewers. What do you think so far? You into it? Nah. (laughs) (laughs) Don't like it at all. I mean, but the problem is I am uh, viewing this through the lens of a streaming service era. So my level of concentration is so low. Like I'm already reaching for my phone and going to Twitter. If this, I've gotten five minutes into this TV show, this has been what the setup and I'm like, no, nah, I'm reaching for my phone. Well, I actually think it feels a little like early Black Mirror to me. So I think it's actually before yeah. it's time. While attempting to flee the network headquarters with proof. Oh, not with proof, not with uh, Eminem's best mate proof the rapper his hype man no um with proof of the um of of the blipverts 
um, uh, Edison suffers a serious uh, head injury caused by striking (laughs) a Have you had a serious head injury as well? (laughs) Sorry, I had a little stroke there. Edison suffers a serious head injury caused by striking a... Oh, here we go, Charlie. This is like a proper origin story. So Edison suffers a serious head injury caused by striking a low clearance sign labelled Max Headroom headroom. 2.3 metres. Okay. I like it. Okay. And that's, um, is, that the, is that the moment of like, you know, uh, uh, like in, you know, that new Motley Crue documentary, uh, that new Motley, Motley Crue city series where they're sitting around going, what are we going to call ourselves? I don't know. We're such a, a Motley Crue. Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. Like the end of that recent Fantastic Four movie where they got to the end of the movie and they were like, so we're pretty fantastic and there's four of us. <laughs> anyway, not sure what we'll name ourselves. The end. Roll titles. No sequel. <laughs> Uh, Bryce Lynch, an adolescent genius working as a scientist for Network 23, suggests to the network's chief executive that they keep Carter sedated and generate a computerized version of him by digitally recording Mm. Carter's mind. It'll be used as a temporary replacement for Carter in order to hide his disappearance. Bryce's program is flawed. It burbles Max Headroom repeatedly. (laughs) Fair enough. I guess your most traumatic moment of your life might go on a loop. Um, this yeah. is like early Westworld, I guess, if if nothing yeah. else. No, you're right. It, it's very it's very Black Mirror-esque. It's got, you know, they've also sort of predicting the rise of deep fakes, the idea that you can create a lifelike avatar. Well, in fact, I was just reading an article online today about deep fakes and how good the deep fakes are now and how convincing they are and how we're essentially about to live in an era where you won't be able to tell what is real news and what is fake news. Well, you know what? Way back when, 1984, <laughs> not the George Orwell, old yeah, Maxie Henry was uh, warning us about this dystopian future, Charlie. Um, all right, so there's a flaw in his... Um, it burbles Max Headroom repeatedly. Bryce instructs his hired goons... Oh, beautiful. Well, he's got some hired goons, Charlie, uh, to dispose yeah. of both Carter and his virtual clone. But the thugs sell both of them. Carter to a body bank and the machine copy to a pirate television station owner, Blank Reg. After a bit of nurturing from Reg, the computer program achieves a somewhat eccentric life of its own. With a gift for rapid-fire gags, he hosts his own show and sends Reg's ratings through the roof. Uh, Meanwhile, a merely unconscious Carter escapes from becoming a premature organ donor pursued by Bryce's goons, who quote Hamlet's response to corruption as they search. What? Uh, I don't know uh, And then that. they quote uh, it here. Keep your bloody Shakespeare and stick it up your bum. I'm here for the talking robot. Tis now the very witching time of night when churchyards yawn and hell itself breathes contagion into this world. With the help of colleague Theora Jones and the distraction provided by Max, Carter eventually defeats Network 23. There you go. Yeah. All right. Exciting. Action-packed. And a dire warning for the future for all comedians, right? They'll just take your consciousness and turn him into a wise-cracking TV personality. I mean, okay. I'm tired. My hips hurt. I've got a whole bunch of books I haven't got to read. <laughs> Seriously, I was staring at the pile of books next to my desk before, and I'm like, there's 40 books there. And even if I read like a book a week, which would be a lot of reading for me, that's like a whole year. I could just have a whole year off to get through my books. 
And there's heaps of things on Netflix I haven't caught up with yet. Murder Mountain. I could easily take a year or two out while a Max Headroom style Will Anderson, uh, you know, does my work for me. You've just got to find the right thing to smash your head against so we can give you a new moniker. Right. Monkey bars. (laughs) (laughs) Toilet seat. (laughs) Fridge door. (laughs) Okay, so Nina continues. By the way, you also haven't discussed The Good Place and be keen to know your thoughts unless you think it's terrible. And then I don't want to hear your views at all. Uh, I know a lot of people love uh, The Good Place. I watched the first episode. Didn't grab me. I found it kind of annoying. So I haven't continued watching it. I love The Good Place. I I have well, 100% faith in The Good Place. It's oh, like- good for you. Good for you. <laughs> so it's my Christian Bale. Um, yeah, I love it. I, I think it's it's right up my alley and um, I, I love all the people involved in it. And uh, um, the, the most recent season probably wasn't their best season, but I'm one of those people who take a, you know, not their best season of The Good Place over pretty much every other television show. You're a guy who will watch 10 seasons of a bad show just because you're committed to continuity. Oh, yeah. I've watched every episode of Superstore. So... <laughs> Uh, she finishes off by saying, thanks again for helping me get to sleep at night. Yes, I do listen to your podcast as I go to sleep. And then I have to re-listen the next morning to the bits I've missed. Warm regards, Nina. That's actually a great way to get our numbers up, I guess. If we encourage more people to listen to us while we're going to sleep and then they have to re-listen in the morning. Doesn't really like get our numbers up unless right? they erase the podcast at the end and then have to re-download the podcast. Yeah, good point. Okay. Which I highly recommend you do. If you fall asleep during the podcast, you must erase the podcast and download it again so we get our numbers up. Oh, could we do that? Could we, could we build in some kind of like uh, software into our episodes that they, like a Mission Impossible mission, it, 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 it detonates after a certain amount of time and you have to re-download it? Yeah, let's definitely not work on doing a better quality product so more people want to listen to it. Let's work on a method of trapping our pre-existing listeners into downloading it more than once. John says, hey, Tofop, if you use, please get my identity confidential. Well, John works. I mean, it's one of the most common Anglo names on the planet, right? Unless his name is John Smith. John Citizen. (laughs) John Citizen. John Q. Citizen. Hi. Uh, You had an interesting discussion on the early days of Viagra in episode 221. Charlie mentioned that if he were the Viagra guinea pig, that he would mention to the research staff around five or six hours after waking up in glory that he was still glowing. I hate to tell you, a little is good, a lot is bad, real bad. It is a medical emergency if your morning glory becomes an afternoon delight. The blood in Mr. Thompson. (laughs) Have you ever heard Mr. Thompson as a euphemism for a penis? I've heard like your Johnson. I didn't realize it was a Mr. Thompson. I've never heard that, and I'm also just delighted by the idea that the mascot of Viagra might be a uh, Viagra guinea pig. I imagine, like, a tiny little fluffy guinea pig with an enormous dick. Um, Raging boner. I'm wondering if uh, John has given away his surname by saying he calls his penis Mr. Thompson. Is his surname Thompson? That's a very good point, actually. Okay, so uh, the blood to Mr. Thompson becomes deoxygenated after a time and damage starts to occur to your saluting member. I feel like John wanted to write this email so he could come up with as many euphemisms for an erection as possible. So we've had a few. Let's see if we can like keep the counter going. Okay, uh, so damage starts to occur to your saluting member and it's serious. And that's on its own separate sentence. So for emphasis, it's serious. An unrelenting salute four hours, I think is what medical science says, requires emergency treatment. 
If left untreated, you can also, lose your best way, friend. Also, by the way, if you have to call an ambulance, I, I hope you have to use the terminology. Uh, this is a medical emergency. I have an unrelenting salute. <laughs> <laughs> if left untreated, you can lose your best friend. Why would my dog die? <laughs> well, that's right. If you don't treat your raging boner, they kill your dog. <laughs> it's the, called the John Wick principle. <laughs> Did you say, uh, like, you know, this is the level our podcast is now. I'm just going to repeat a funny meme to you. But it made me laugh <laughs> so much. It was like a picture of Keanu Reeves and a dog. And the dog was just like, you know, kind of going apart, like Thanos Pick style at the end of... In dust. Know, where it goes back into dust. And it just said, you've done it now, Thanos. <laughs> <laughs> I watched the trailer for the new John Wick uh, last night. There's a new trailer out. It looks fucking awesome. I am all for the Keanu Renaissance. Ke- Keanu, the, the Reevesance. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I don't think he's ever gone away. And the fact that, did you see that little video for Bill and Ted's 3 as well? Yes. Could not be excited. more up for it. Please revisit that. Nothing, nothing I'm going to enjoy more than that. It looked amazing. And um, yeah, John Wick 3. You know that I'm a, a big John Wick fan. Well, that... A video he posted with Alex Winter to promote Bill and Ted's Three. It's the first time I've ever seen Keanu look like his age because he must be in his like mid fifties or something. But in John Wick, he's obviously in great shape because he's doing all that action himself. But I think you know he's had some time off from John Wick Three and he's allowed some grey to go into his beard. But goddamn it, if he still isn't the most handsome man on the planet, more handsome. And you know what, Alex Winter looked all right as well. I bet he's still doing okay as well. He's kept himself in decent shape. You know when he ejaculates, he actually yells out, winter is coming. <laughs> okay, so if you've had a, a, a prolonged erection, it's called a priapism. A what? Uh, after the priap- priapism. P-R-I-A-P-I-S-M. Priapism. Priapism? Priapism. It's named after the god Priapus who's been cursed, gifted with permanent wood. Mike, how can you, just as a side note, we'll keep talking, but can you just Google Priapus, P-R-I-A-P-U-S? Okay. I'm not a doctor, says John, so don't take anything I say with uh, as an authority, but I am married to one. Well, I think that's as good as a doctor, right? If you're married to one, you sort of absorb <laughs> That's what they say on powers. a plane. If there's a medical emergency, they, they say, is there any doctors on board? And if not, we'll take someone who's married to a doctor. <laughs> Painful, ter- painful long-term boners do arrive in ED, emergency department, because the owner has taken too much Viagra. Surprise. Oh, emergency department or erectile dysfunction? You can get ED in ED. Yeah, that's right. Uh, the treatment is all directed in getting that old blood out. Oh, God. Hot shower followed by cold packs, moving on to vigorous movement of the big muscles so the blood uh, goes to all your muscles if all that fails it's time for a needle or a knife okay so your honeymoon your anniversary your whatever your big night you've decided to pop a couple viagra you've had a great sex but now it's four or five hours later and your member is still saluting so you go to hospital they start whacking hot water you have to have a hot shower then cold packs and then you have to do exercise yeah. <laughs> like it's not worth it I'm not going to hospital. I'm going to go to the gym. You know, they've got a shower, get some ice packs there and I can do some exercise. Well, you're wondering why I've been getting so fit lately. It's just because I've had a nonstop erection for the last four years. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Mike Howell's got some information on Priapus is the, a God of fertility, not the God, but a God of fertility, protector of horticulture and viticulture. 
His statue, holding a wooden sickle in his hand, was used in the Roman gardens as a scarecrow and his enormous penis as a threat against these. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sad that's not a modern day threat against thieves. If they only hired security guards who had enormous penises to protect things. You know, you, you, go, yeah. to the, you go to the Louvre, right? And there's just like uh, mm. a whole bunch of like security guards with massive schlongs, um, you know, basically standing around the Mona Lisa, you know, trying to guard you know, from anybody who's coming towards her. I mean, it'd be amazing if you had to like implement like sort of hardline penis laws. So, you know, like conceal and carry and all that kind of stuff. Because people use brandishing erections to for self-defense. Yeah, exactly. Excuse me, sir. Uh, is that a gun in your pants? Oh, yes, it is. Oh, well, that's fine then. As long as it isn't a massive penis. Because if it was going to be, we would have a trouble. You can take my penis when you can pry it from my cold, dead hand. <laughs> the cold from the ice pack that I had yeah, to exactly. apply to it to try to get the swelling down. <laughs> Okay, so if the ice packs in the showers doesn't work, it's time for a needle or a knife, which has just made me cross my legs. Mm. All this leads me to relate an emergency department story, uncorroborated. He's very like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if John is a lawyer because he's been very quick to sort of like highlight that he's not a doctor and this story is uncorroborated. Like he doesn't want any litigation, even though we've kept John Thompson's identity a complete secret. Yeah, well, uh, his wife's a doctor. He might be a lawyer. You know, that, that, that feels like a good power combination, I would have thought, at this situation. And often, uh, if somebody needs a lawyer and there isn't a lawyer there, his wife will say, but I am married to a lawyer. And they'll go, close enough. <laughs> <laughs> it leads me to a uh, story that's uncorroborated. It's about one boner owner. When advised a vigorous movement did not subdue his joystick... How many are we up to now? Like five? I mean, again, would have even the need... language of this does have a legal kind of bent to it. Like, it, it feels like yeah. I'm no fancy big city lawyer, but the <laughs> Ramona Bona, not Ramona, <laughs> the Ramona Lisa. <laughs> when advised of vigorous movement did not subdue his joystick, he would have to needle or knife it. He took a bull by the horns or the horn by the, and began hopping kangaroo style around the emergency department with his joey very much out of the pouch much to the horror delight of the punters and patients he was chased down by nurses who bundled him into a private room to continue his treatment wow just a cautionary note if you have an issue go to an emergency department or ring for an ambulance they have seen it all do not rely on anything said in this message uh, that that feels like a legal disclaimer at the end as well um yeah so i uh well, here's the thing about that, right, is that, mm. you know, in emergencies, they have things like code blue. What do you think their emergency is for somebody who comes in with like an erection they can't get rid of? Code purple. <laughs> mainly the <laughs> We have a code purple. Main Everyone, code purple. Mainly the head. <laughs> Our next letter is from someone who calls themselves Nitty, N-I-T-T-Y, Nitty. The subject is, uh, Will is a hater. Oh, by the way, why is by the way, Mike Owls just put up a picture of oh, yeah. Priapus and yeah, that's a big penis. That guy's definitely that guy's definitely about six hours into a Viagra hit. Yeah, so I'm certainly not going to try to steal anything from him. I don't want to. I thieves would be warned. <laughs> uh, Nitty uh, says, "Why is Will such a hater when it comes to movies? He's talking shit about Jurassic World." Force Awakens and Aquaman with 
I'll let you know has over 60% on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm sick of him talking shit. How does he justify talking shit about films with such high scores? Plus, he always goes to see them, so they get his money, so the joke's on him, mad dog out. I'm mad dog and I'm off the leash in 2019. <laughs> I think Nitty was well, a firstly, bit high when he wrote this. Firstly, mad dog. <laughs> Can I say this? I have paid my money to see those films. Therefore, I have the right to say whether I like the films or not. That's If I'd seen the films for free, I probably would be a lot nicer to them. Uh, secondly, um, all the films you've named are shit films. So that's, that's why I said that was shit films. <laughs> I say the good films are good and shit films are shit. What were the films that he mentioned? Aquaman. That's definitely a shit film. And it doesn't matter how much money it's made. It's not a good film. But also, I've put on the record very clearly that I hate films that are set in space or underwater. And that is entirely set in underwater space. So I, was re- I wasn't yeah. really going to like that film at the best of times. I enjoyed going to the movies that night with my friend and having a good night out. But it's not a good film. It's a terrible mm. film. What was mm. the next one? No. Force Awakens and Jurassic World. Well, Jurassic World's terrible as well. No doubt about that. That's yeah. a terrible film. I don't think yeah. there's too. I many think that's people. widely. I think it's widely acknowledged as being terrible. I don't think that's yeah. a controversial opinion. That's not a hater. Like I always thought, a hater is kind of like contrary just for being contrary's sake. But I think it's widely acknowledged that Jurassic World's a piece of shit. Yeah, and I don't really like Star Wars films apart from the. Was it the Last Jedi? Was that the most recent yeah, one? Yeah. Yeah, so I loved that. Oh, yeah, I, thought, yeah. I thought that was really good. And I, Prepare know. for us to be doxxed now, Will. Yeah. Thanks a lot. You said you liked The Last Jedi. We're yeah. getting doxxed. Oh, it was the only good Star Wars film they've ever made. <laughs> <laughs> the Last Jedi. In fact, in my mind, it's the only Star Wars film. Yeah, exactly. Well, time to take a little break from the show to talk about our excellent sponsor, Movement Watchers. Technically, we're not taking a break from the show, Charlie, because we've pre-recorded this advertisement before we actually did the show. Why are you so like keen on giving a people a peek behind the curtain? This is what the people want. I mean, let's be honest. We <laughs> this can't, is what the people want. We can't even afford a curtain down here at Tofop HQ. In fact, the only reason that we even have half a sheet that we can pretend is a curtain is because of the good people at Movement Watchers. Yes, they are founded on the belief that style shouldn't break the bank. They've sold almost two million watches worldwide by bringing quality designs at fair prices what do you think i'm wearing on my wrist right here will uh we are in the same room and you're looking at it is it the black rose uh, movement watch that's right baby <laughs> now i've talked a lot about how this improves my look my standing my social status what do you think do i look more sophisticated i'm gonna sit here very naturally posed with my movement watch across my chest well you know what I, the only thing i don't like about your uh, movement watch charlie is it means that i can't take my eyes off it and i'm distracted from your beautiful <laughs> face Normally I get to stare at your beautiful face, but now I'm staring at the beautiful face of a movement watch. Movement watches have dropped a bunch of new styles you can pick from the Arc Automatic or the Blacktop Inspired Collection. Talk about how... Oh, no, sorry. This is what they're telling me to say. Okay. Movement watches. <laughs> no, you, you tell the people. Let's peek behind oh, you that sheet behind we're pretending is right. a curtain. Okay. So they say, hey, talk about movement watches, sunglasses and other accessories, how they're the perfect gift for families, friends, and significant others. Hey, Will, you know what's a perfect gift for family, friends, and significant others? You know what, Charlie? I've noticed recently I've got a lot of uh, new significant others in my life. And really? I've been... Well, you know what the thing about significant others is? Well, it's hard oh. to say. <laughs> a, it's hard to say. And B, it's hard to maintain a wide variety of significant others because all they want is gifts. How can I not break the bank and give all these significant others in my life a gift? 
Well, uh, we'll get to that bit. But oh. first, let's talk about the oh, let's talk let's about talk about the compliments. Oh, okay. You know what? I've given some of my significant others these um, movement watches, and they now have uh, other significant others in their lives just from the compliments that they're getting in the street. Oh, right. So it's like a pyramid scheme of compliments. Well, let's not use the word pyramid scheme <laughs> in this advertisement. <laughs> Movement watches are all about looking good while keeping it simple. They don't tell you how many steps you've taken or blow up your wrist with text messages. <sighs> Give me an example of a message you might receive late at night, Will, from someone. You up? Yeah, baby. I'm suing you. I'm suing you. I'm Lawyer X. I mean, you never know. <laughs> They're not overly intrusive on life with notifications, text messages, emails, and they tell the time like true classic timepieces should. And you know what? They look good doing it. This is actually good for me, Charlie, because you know that I've been trying to like cut down on my screen time. Yep. And the best way to cut down on the you use your, what, your phone all the time, check the time, and then suddenly you're lured in by the time and you thought, well, while I'm checking the time, mm. I might as well check Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. And I'm trying not to do that. So what I need is just something on my wrist yeah. that isn't going to blow up my wrist. And didn't like back in the day, like if you're a survivalist or a, a sailor, can't you like navigate by using a, like an old school watch? Oh, yeah, I can. I, yeah, I've given away you Google can. Maps. I've given away Google Maps. <laughs> you navigate, navigate by the stars. Exclusively by the stars and my movement watch. Yeah. Have you got Google Maps? No, but no. I've got a movement watch and that's all I need. Me and Albie Mangles. I've got a movement watch and a clear view of the sky. They wanted real quality products for everyone. There were two college dropouts, but we don't hold that against them. We don't. In fact, we, it's a positive. And they've sold almost 2 million watches worldwide in over 160 countries. Okay, now this is the recommended copy. We okay. can't mess this up. All right, go. <clears throat> Movement watches start at just $95. You're looking Bargain. at 400 bucks for the same quality from a traditional brand. Ridiculous. Okay, now here's an idea from them. They want us to talk about all the things you can buy with that saved money. So you've just saved yourself $305. Yep. What's the first thing you go out and buy? I'm going to buy myself 60 bags of chips. <laughs> Thank God you 60 said bags, chips. 60 bags of or 60 bags of delicious cheese and onion chips. I'm going to buy myself some movement accessories. Maybe like uh, I'll buy some sunglasses or one of their wristbands or, or pendants. Yeah, okay. Well, just don't speculate. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here's the important bit. The call to action. Mm. To get 15% off today with free shipping and free returns, go to movement.com slash Tofop. That's movement.com slash Tofop. Although the copy we got sent, they actually gave us movement.com weekly planet. Oh, <laughs> it does feel like you've got somebody else's email, doesn't it? Really it really does. Oh, but boo. Look, the weekly planet are doing fine. They've got yeah. heaps of listeners. Exactly. Help us out. In fact, even if you're hearing this ad on the weekly planet, uh, their ad, put in the code Tofop anyway. Yeah, that'd be great. Movement is launching new styles on their sites all the time. Check out the latest range at movement.com and go to movement.com slash Tofop to get 15% off today. And will Join the movement. Nailed it. Uh, Mike writes into us, Hey, Tofop. I love the recent Batman versus Superman remake idea. I've gotten... Well, this... So he sent this 8th of Feb, so who fuck knows okay. what we were talking about then. That got me thinking about something my friends and I put together a while back. We mapped out a comic book movie character tournament, complete with 16 characters, seeding, odds, brackets, etc. It's been a while, but I think the final four was Darth Vader versus the Terminator, the Arnold T2 Terminator, and Superman versus Wolverine. Okay, so both conferences. You've got one side, Darth Vader versus the Terminator, and on the other one, you've got Superman versus Wolverine. How the fuck? I know, we'll get to it. You two are basically experts when it comes to this kind of uh, oddball kind of irrelevant stuff, so I'd really like your take on it. I think Darth ended up beating Superman in the title match. Okay, so you've got Darth versus the Terminator in the first match. Who wins that one? Darth Vader versus the Terminator. The Terminator, I, um, yeah. 
Well, we we have never seen how the Terminator go against like because Darth Vader has the Force, which yeah. for you know, and, and this will get us more angry emails. For the lack of a better term, the Force is like magic; it's a mysticism, right? So no, we, mate, the Terminator it's, midi, it's midi chlorons. Well, that's even gonna, that's got us docked twice as hard. Thanks a lot for that. <laughs> Uh, I th- I think that maybe that's where the Terminator would have trouble combating Darth Vader because you know he's only he only takes on organic and automated opponents, but to have someone who can like you know fling him across the room or drop a pylon on his head or something, I think gives him a distinct advantage. Yeah, but what have we learned about the Terminator? Like, think about this for a second. What is the Terminator's way of terminating? It's systematic. No, it, but uh, no, I'm talking about the fact that oh. we'd, the Terminator didn't go back to kill John Connor once John Connor was a fully grown adult with survival skills. Ah, the Terminator right. went back he... to kill John Connor when John Connor was a tiny little baby John Connor. And, uh, yeah. you know, it's like the killing baby Hitler sort of. That's your Terminator's method of getting rid of the problem. So I imagine you're talking about like the Terminator who's going to go back to a time where Darth Vader hasn't fully Vader up yet. And I reckon you can kill him at that yeah. stage. Yeah, he'd kill that little shit easy. <laughs> yeah, and people would like it because those movies were terrible. The end. <laughs> it's Superman versus Wolverine. Like, I kind of feel like this is one of those grand finals, one of those finals where one team is clearly there on superior ability and another team has just got there on emotion. Wolverine is the Western Bulldogs of this pre- preliminary final. Superman is GWS. <laughs> Got all the skills and resources, but then this scrappy little underdog has come into the fight. So if he wins on a... I, look, here's what I'll say. To continue the football analogy, if it's played in Wolverine's uh, home turf, this, this battle, <laughs> and he has like the X-Men all cheering him on, I think the emotion will get him across the line because I think inherently most people would be against Superman winning because he's so all-powerful. I think that... If, if it's in front of a stadium, Wolverine would ride the, the, the public sentiment to victory. But if it's just the two of them fighting in isolation, then Superman kills him. Yeah, Superman murders him, like before Wolverine gets anywhere near him. <laughs> like Superman literally melts, like, I don't know, actually, you know what is, what's he got inside him? A- a- Adamantium? Adamantium. No. Yeah, so. Yeah, yeah Adamantium. Um, and he can regenerate. So is, can Superman's heat vision melt Adamantium? I would say so, but it, I mean, it's the strongest substance known to man. So I, I'd say it would be a, a, it would be a slow process and Wolverine's still running towards him. But Wolverine, you, okay, so this is the Weekly Planet do this game all the time where occasionally they have a battle where it's two opponents are dropped onto a, they have rules where you can't have like weapons or tools or whatever. It's just whatever your inherent abilities are, you're dropped into like a football field so you can't hide behind walls or anything. You have to just run at each other and start slugging it out or using your powers, whatever it is. So using those rules. Unless somewhere along the line Wolverine has kryptonite, because that's the only way you defeat Superman is kryptonite, right? Or unless Wolverine pretends that his mum was also called Martha, disarms Superman <laughs> ah. with that information and then stabs him in the heart. <laughs> but yes, I, like Superman's got to win that, you would think. Okay, on a totally different note, thank you for all the content. We are all in the same age range. So the occasional dated cultural reference is right in my wheelhouse. Well, you would have loved how we opened this show. <laughs> the gritty reboots of 80s, mo- 80s movies are also great. It's fun to listen to Charlie talk through getting older as I find myself dealing with the same things of fight- and fighting the same urges to yell at those crazy teenagers making so much dang noise. And they don't realize, don't they realize it's 9.30 p.m. and people are trying to sleep. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know I what? I feel like... You guys are real haters. You're both real haters. Why are you such haters? <laughs> 
I feel like, I've, look, I, I've, I really have taken your words on, Will, when you said, hey, look, we were all young once and, you know, you live in a community and there's going to be that. So last night, because uh, there's a very large pub down the end of my street that um, attracts uh, certain uh, rougher elements on the weekends. And last night there was a parade of divvy vans flying down the street, obviously to break up some party or fight or whatever. And about 15 minutes after the sirens woke me up, I then heard all the people walking up from that pub, like teenagers, and they're yelling and smashing bottles and laughing and stuff. And the temptation was to open my window and <laughs> yell at them, but I didn't. I took Will's, I took your advice on and I was like, they're just kids. This was you once. Don't think you were ever a clean skin. You ran up a street yelling once. So you know what I did, Will? I enjoyed the show. I lifted the blinds up. I set up my window and I just watched the drama unfold. I watched the guy trying to pick up the girl and get knocked back. I watched the two guys, drunk guys, trying to hail a taxi, but no one was going to pick him up. And you know what? I actually found some enjoyment in it. I shifted. My focus went from being annoyed about how they were ruining my night and said, no, no. I'm going to enjoy their night. Right, absolutely. I think there's something really fantastic about... And it's probably changed a little bit because of the nature of the way that we consume the world now. We do a lot of it online and it's a lot of it's kind of tailored to us, you know, whereas like that idea of just enjoying it for the sake of... Like, you, you, you don't download something to your iPod or your TV and then enjoy it for the sake of the thing that you're watching. But when you watch other people's lives like that... Like I went to the climate change march in Melbourne, you know, the kids strike when mm. they had the um, the climate change. And I just, I wasn't there to kind of join in on the protest in that way, but I was there to observe other people giving a shit about the planet and protesting. And I was very enthused by it. I thought it was a really, really wonderful thing. <laughs> You went to go watch young people protest to fight for our future. I watch young people pissing in gutters and chasing each other down the street like animals. And what we've learned from this is young people are a lot of things. <laughs> Mike finishes off by saying, P.S. Uh, I wrote to you before the AFL season started uh, last year asking for advice on picking a team. It was cool to hear my letter read out on our other podcast, Two Guys, One Cup. I did listen and I stuck with the Gold Coast. <laughs> In fact, I was probably wearing my son's T-shirt as I cheered on West Coast during that exciting grand final. Really looking forward to this coming season. Who needs Tom Lynch and Stephen May when we have Tuke Miller, right? <laughs> Rebecca writes in, Hey, Will and Charlie. I would like to vote for TOFOP and Willosophy and FOFOP in the Australian Podcast Awards, but you aren't listed. I don't follow AFL, therefore I don't listen to Two Guys, One Cup. I can't nominate you, unfortunately, because the podcasters have to nominate themselves. Please nominate yourselves so I can vote for you. Thanks for continuing to fill in my spare time and my commute with great content. By the way, there are a few, doctor there are a few doctors who listen to your podcast. I was wearing a TOFOP Cool Things for Cool People t-shirt under my scrubs once, and I got a few knowing nods in the change room and also in the lounge after a shift. Cheers. Beck. I assume you also got a fair few nods in the psych ward as well. <laughs> I'm not actually a doctor. I had broken yeah. into the hospital with my TOFOP t-shirt on and put on some gowns. Yeah, we have doctors who listen to this podcast and we have people who are married to doctors living to this podcast. We have the whole gamut. <laughs> James writes in, Hey, Will and Charlie. I recently joined your Patreon site, instantly doubling the number of ventures I oh, support. By the way, just on the Australian Podcast Awards, which was the point of the letter, I think, when was that letter mm. sent to us? Because I think the Australian Podcast Awards uh, have actually been and gone. 8th of Feb. Yeah. yeah so, yeah, they're Feb. over. We didn't win. We weren't nominated. Yeah. It's a self-nomination <laughs> process, uh, the Australian Podcast Awards, and I believe there's a fee also involved. But I don't like 
I, I I'm not a big fan of awards in general. Um, but certainly yeah. that sort of award where it's like you essentially you nominate yourself and then you lobby your audience to vote on your behalf to win something that you weren't even that interested in, in the first place. We it wasn't really something that we we got asked about it, didn't we? We got asked if we wanted to nominate. Yeah. And I think we said no. Yeah, we yeah. I mean, I think mainly out of apathy more than anything. But yeah, I agree with everything you've just said. It's not like you know the industry has recognised. It's kind of like well, this is a this has been set up, and the people who nominate. So anyway, awards or whatever. I'm not, I'm not really. I'm not doing this for the for the accolades, will. Good because we're not getting I'm doing many. For th- <laughs> I'm doing it to to ruin the minds of doctors. James writes in, uh, I recently joined your Patreon site, instantly doubling the number of ventures I support through this means. Good on you. Patreon is the best way to support this show. Yes, we have sponsors from time to time, but the majority of our uh, income uh, comes from our Patreon site, which is patreon.com forward slash TOEFOP. You can go there right now and sign up for any amount. Uh, If you want to sign up for a dollar, then that's fine. If you want to sign up for $20, that's fine. If you want to sign up for $100, that's really cool. We used to do a tiered system where depending on the amount you signed up for, you could get access to bonus material. But then we thought, fuck it. Let's be socialist about this. Let's open it up to everyone. And uh, I think that's actually been the best policy. We've lost, we've lost a bit of money doing that. But I think what, we've endu- uh, what we have won is more long-term uh, supporters. But we could always do with more. So if you want to support the show, please go to patreon.com forward slash TOEFOP. End of the ad. Um, the other guy I support is a YouTuber who plays video games and talks to the audience in a way that makes you feel like you're hanging out on the couch and playing games with your friends while you're very alone, passively watching YouTube. He's British and he sounds like David Mitchell. And since he never physically appears in the videos, I like to pretend that he looks like, that he looks like David Mitchell too. Anyway, I was wondering if creating uh, let's play YouTube videos with something that Tofop could expand into. I've spent so many hours listening to you guys talk. I feel like we're friends too. What was the last games you played? Um, so I, I, I haven't previously been a big gamer, but I have a PlayStation mm. now. Um, huh. Has not been used a lot. Um, I've been very busy and life's been um, a bit intense of it for the last kind of, well, since, since we got the PlayStation. Not as a direct response to the PlayStation, <laughs> but in the same period of time. Uh, so Coincidentally. So it's set up, set up and I have played it. I played a game with uh, Gatesy, our friend Gatesy, uh, one night, uh, which I can't remember the name of, but it was quite good fun. Um, and I've started playing uh, Red Dead Redemption, but because I haven't played games in a really long time, it's probably a little bit too complex for someone who hasn't. So I need to find some good sort of beginner games and get my skills mm. up around the gaming. And then um, maybe I could do like a, I'm learning how to be a gamer podcast. Like, you know, as in like... Yeah, people like like Conan's uh, Clueless Gamer. Have you seen that series? It's very funny. I haven't, but uh, I... Yes, I I need like a... I don't actually need something else in my schedule in my life. Like, there is a part of me that's like, I really shouldn't get into games because I know that I don't have the time to get into games and I know that if I got into games, then... Mm. But the Weekly Planet, which we have already mentioned, um, you know, that uh, I love that podcast uh, too now and... Uh, they talk about games every now and again, and it always makes me interested in going, oh, yeah, maybe I could play that game. And they also do, from time to time on their caravan of garbage, play video games and commentate on them. So, James, if you're desperate for that kind of content, I can highly recommend going to the Weekly Planet YouTube channel. Um, I also, one, I'm not very good at video games either. Uh, the last one I played, I was at a friend's place in Melbourne a couple of weeks ago, and he, his daughter was playing the new Spider-Man game. Um, I don't know what it's called, Spider-Man, Hey, I'm Spider-Man. Uh, 
And I just spent the whole time swinging around. That was the best part was just swinging around New York City. I didn't, I don't think I solved any missions or fought anyone. I just, just swung around. I basically just toured New York, <laughs> but from, from web, from a web point of view. Well, I'm fine with that. In fact, I think like I, that's what I should do. I should download like some cool superhero games because that's what I'd be most interested in. And so I should find like some cool, easy superhero game and play that for a while. Um, but I really enjoy watching other people play video games because I'm, I'm not very good at video games. I, I've only ever finished like a couple in my life and that was 15 years ago. Uh, and I sort of have the same concern as you, Will, is it like, oh, they're so time consuming and I just sort of feel like... If I was good at it, it would be fine because I could play the game, finish it in a couple of days and then move on to work. But I'm so shit at it. It would take me like a month to kind of finish a level and in which case I've wasted all this time. But I love watching people like Gatesy, who's a gamer, play video games because they're really good at it. And I like the graphics and I like the stories and I like all that kind of stuff. So I'm quite happy to sit there quietly and make some sardonic comments from time to time about the game, you know. (laughs) So... You know, possibly I could do a, 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 a podcast series like this where, like, I don't know, I watch you play or we get someone like Gacy to come in and play and I'll make my witty asides. Yeah, and most of my uh, asides would be, how did you do that? Which button did you push? <laughs> yeah. How do you save a game? <laughs> yeah. I'm pressing X. I'm pressing X. <laughs> Which one am I again? Like, I will say Gatesy is good to... I had a great lot of fun playing video games with Gatesy. I think that would probably be my... I, I'd probably be more into it, like, you know, playing games with someone else. And he's really good because even though he's really good at games, he kind of is, he's not like one of those people who, like, if he was a champion sports person who can't teach, like, you know, people who aren't champion sports people how to do it, he'll kind of bring himself back to your level and he's happy to just yeah, kind yeah. of, like, muck around with you at your level without needing to show off and show how much better he is at everything. Yeah, he's having a kick with a little leaguer. Just going yeah. out, just little little kicks. Um, he finishes off with, uh, you could also tap into the, how did this get made by ironically watching shit movies and recording TOEFOP commentaries along with the films. Uh, call me if you want to flesh out any of these ideas. <laughs> <laughs> Bold move, James. Strong finish. I like it. We're not calling you though. Okay. Let's see. We're going to try and get through these. So, uh, this is from Allison. Hey guys, just listened to episode 232 and wanted to drop you a quick email. Don't know how this will make you feel, but I listen to TOEFOP to fall asleep each night. Your conversations are interesting enough to drown out my inner thoughts. <laughs> the screaming voices that took me away. Drowning out your inner thoughts for eight years. <laughs> but there's something about your tone that makes me able to drift off to sleep. Uh, we've talked about this before, but I, um, I never used to listen to things before I went to bed. But I've started doing it recently because uh, uh, I've got a few audio books that I'm trying to work my way through. And one of them is um, The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. Uh, Eckhart Tolle is this German dude and he has the most monotone uh, german accent that i don't think i've made it through more than five minutes before he starts talking before bang i'm out like that i mean which is the ultimate example of the power of now you've got to get to the point eckhart you can't be stretching it out mate people need to know now uh why wild writes in just says wild hey will and charlie first off i love the show thanks for all the laughs you guys are by far my favorite podcast and i go and see all of will's shows in melbourne and i would happily pay over 100 dollars. probably a good time to plug your show will yeah the, my show is called uh, will informed it starts on wednesday at the melbourne comedy festival so today probably for most of you when you're hearing this yeah. and um the first two nights are cheap previews they're cheaper for a reason uh this is the first time i've debuted a show um uh, in melbourne and uh as those uh, who've listened to the podcast have kind of heard me just reference uh, 
in small doses. It's not been the easiest few months for me, so I'm definitely going into Melbourne with um, a brand new show, and uh, I'm looking forward to actually getting to Wednesday now, and even though I know there'll be heaps of it that I need to kind of fix up and, and work out what the show's about, I'm now also at the point where I'm like, I just need to get this on stage and work out what this show is actually about and start doing it. So uh, if you want to come along and see me hear the jokes for the first time that you hear the jokes, Wednesday tonight is a good time for that. Well, it continues. On to the real stuff. One of my favourite segments of Tovop is when you examined and dissected the Wikipedia plot summary for the 1975 film Rollerball. And I particularly loved how you managed to convince us that a sports sci-fi movie about a game where some characters get rollerblades and others get motorbikes is a near-perfect prediction of 2018 when the film is set, <laughs> in case you forgot. Yes, we did. Anyway, perhaps you two could take a look at another film called Running Man, which is set in dun, 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 2019. Uh, I've attached a link to the Wikipedia, Wikipedia page below. So I'm interested to hear your thoughts on what Arnie thought 2019 may look like. Once again, thank you for all the laughs. Oh, no, his name's Oscar, but his, uh, his business is called Wild Music. Uh, okay, Wild Stallions. So here's no. firstly what I remember about Running Man. It stars uh, Arnold can you find uh, Michael, can you, find the, the, can you just find the Wikipedia link for us, Michael, please? Thank you. Uh, Sorry, so we'll, it stars we'll Arnold Schwarzenegger. And it's a dystopian yep. future where his ex-criminals are involved in a competition where each of them have to do the popular dance, The Running Man, to see who can do it best. <laughs> okay, so here's the plot. In 2017, after a worldwide economic collapse, the United States has become a totalitarian police state, censoring all cultural activity. All right, so, but here's what I'll say. So far, so good. <laughs> They've really nailed that. <laughs> The U.S. government pacifies the populace broadcasting game shows where convicted criminals fight for their lives. Oh, instead, they actually just made a game show host the president of the country. <laughs> Including the gladiator-style show The Running Man, hosted by the ruthless Damon Killian, where runners attempt to evade stalkers who are mercenaries around a large arena and near certain death for the chance to be pardoned by the state. By 2019... Ben Richards, a police helicopter pilot framed for a massacre during a food riot in Bakersfield. Now, interesting, I remember this part of the film because this was also a precursor to deep fakes because apparent, I remember the scene, it's Arnie as uh, Ben Richards, which is a classic Austrian name. <laughs> ben Richards flying over like a bunch of poor people who are riding for food and he gets orders from his chief to open fire and he's like, no, I will not. And then... Um, he gets arrested for that. American they... Ben Richards. <laughs> I, I did not spend four years on the force. I grew up in New York City. I am New York City's Joe America Ben Richards. <laughs> uh, and so I think they deep fake him. They deep fake it to make it look like he uh, he shot all the people. So when when they play his clip to the crowd, they all boo him and stuff. Anyway, so he gets framed. He escapes from a labor camp with two resistance it fighters. It was not me. It was like that TV show, Max Headroom. <laughs> and William Laughlin. He finds refuge in a resistance camp headed by their leader, Mike or Mick. Mike, M-I-C, Mike. Instead of joining the resistance, Richards seeks shelter at his brother's apartment. He finds it now occupied by Amber Menendez. Oh, no, Mendez, a composer for ICS, the network that broadcasts The Running Man. Richard asks Mendez about the whereabouts of his brother. Where's my brother? Where's my American she, brother? He's a dig. <laughs> I can't I try and do that. I but imagine he's eating he, a hamburger. 
<laughs> and she says that he was taken for re-education. <laughs> We're never going to get through this. Taking Amber hostage, Richards attempts to flee Hawaii, but she alerts airport security and Richards is captured and taken to ICS. There, Killian coerces him into participating in The Running Man in exchange for Laughlin and Weiss not participating. But Ben learns that Killian has enrolled him as runners uh, anyway and swears revenge. Ah! Killian! <laughs> Which Killian brushes off. Taking Amber hostage, oh no, sorry, uh, as the games begin, Richards and his friends are attacked by the first stalker, Sub-Zero, who I believe is like an ice hockey player, uh, but they a fight back. For an Australia, a New Zealand horse. For <laughs> Australian race horse. <laughs> With Richards garroting Sub-Zero, the first time a stalker has ever died on the show. So I think, just to fill in, anyone who hasn't seen this, it's a bit, imagine it's a knockout. If it was like lethal. So you've got a big audience watching these guys in an open world, kind of like it's downtown dystopian Los Angeles getting stalked by people. But they're all watching on big screens and cheering for their favorite gladiators, stalkers and booing, you know, the criminals or the running men. Imagine it's the year 2019 and the entire police force have seen the entire Hunger Games uh, movie series and decided to use that for law enforcement. Uh, okay, so Laughlin and Weiss search for the network's uplink facilities when they realise, uh, which they realise are in the game zone. Amber sees a falsified news report on Richard's capture and suspicious of the media's veracity, she does some investigating fake news. After learning that footage of the massacre was doctored to incriminate Richards, she is captured by her ICS colleagues and sent to the game zone. The runners are split up and each pair pursued by a different stalker. Buzzsaw, who I believe is a guy on a motorbike with a chainsaw for a hand, mortally wounds Laughlin, but is killed by Richards. Weiss and Amber locate the uplink and learn the access codes. But Dynamo, who I believe is a guy covered in light bulbs who can shoot electricity, finds them and electrocutes Weiss. Amber's screams leads Richards to her and the two evade Dynamo. The stalker's buggy flips, trapping him inside. Refusing to kill a helpless opponent, Richards leaves Dynamo alive to jeers from the audience. He and Amber then return to Laughlin, who before dying reveals I want the to resistance. do it. It's not the American way. <laughs> Back at ICS, Killian sees Richards' popularity growing, with viewers betting on him instead of the stalkers. Off camera, Killian tries to offer Richards a job as a stalker. But when Richards refuses, Killian sends in the next stalker, Fireball. Fireball, I can't remember what Fireball looks like, but I imagine he shoots fireballs. <laughs> fireball chases them into an abandoned factory where Amber discovers the decomposing corpses of the previous, se previous season's winners, realizing that they were killed by Fireball and their victory was faked. Fireball goes after Amber, but Richards rescues her and kills him using his own weaponry. Frustrated and running out of options, Killian seeks Captain Freedom, a retired stalker, to kill them. However, when Freedom refuses, the network creates a digital double of Freedom, Richards and Amber, which they use to fake Richards and Amber's deaths on screen. More deep fakes. Oh, my God. In the game zone, Richards and Amber are found by Mike and taken to the Resistance hideout where they learn of their deaths. Uh, using access codes, the rebels get into the ICS control room, broadcasting footage that, that exonerates Richards and reveals the truth about the game's previous winners. As Richards heads to the main studio floor, shocking the audience who had watched him supposedly die, Amber fights and kills Dynamo, I believe by turning on sprinkler system and he gets electrocuted. Ironic, Dynamo gets electrocuted. Uh, Richards confronts Killian after having dealt with security who tried to kill him and the audience... 
to cover up everything, not knowing he was being, it was being broadcast. Killian begs for his life, saying he created the show to appease the US love of reality television and televised violence. Ooh, social commentary. In response, Richards decides to give the audience what they want right now, sending Killian into the game zone in a rocket sled. The sled hits a billboard bearing Killian's likeness and explodes... <laughs> killing Killian to the delight of the audience. <laughs> so just a little moment of kind of like, this could be a learning for all of us. We've been celebrating violence. Now, fuck it. Let's kill this guy too. You know, the only thing that beats violence is more violence. Well, I love that like he has the chance to kill Dynamo, but he's like, no, I can't kill a defenseless man. But then later on, it's like, ah, fuck it. I'll kill this one. I'll kill this one. Killian. His name is Killian. I will Killian him. <laughs> uh, yeah, that synopsis sounds a lot better than I remember the movie oh, I thought you were going to say that synopsis sounds a lot better than the actual reality we're living in in 2019 <laughs> <laughs> yeah that too uh, okay Steve writes into us die hard exclamation mark hey guys I'm just re-watching the die hard quadrology yes quadrology I've stricken die hard fire from the record there is a line in Die Hard 2 that John McClane says to Dennis Franz. He says, uh, Tell me, Captain, what sets off the metal detector first? The lead in your ass or the shit in your brains? Just wondering if you guys could shed some light on why John McClane thinks shit sets off metal detectors. <laughs> My answer to that is, this was written in the 80s, and cocaine was a very popular drug in Hollywood. <laughs> I would suggest that is two writers coked out of their brains knowing that they have half a good like a dry one-liner but not really wanting to put the work in to come up with what that is I think that that was an onset Bruce Willis improv and he did not want to do a second take yeah that's a, that is like my classic story of working with Amanda Sante where he told me he was going to tell me an asshole son the size of that what you did not know you were completely <laughs> off the top of his head let's go to lunch uh, okay, almost there. Chris D. Uh, the subject line is Tofop, everyone read facts theme. Hey guys, just a thought. Maybe you could make an MP3 out of the facts theme as a reward for Patreon subscribers. I'd love to hear Charlie's dulcet tones when I get a text message just to take one of my obsessions to the next level. Well, look, I'm sure we could do that. Michael, if you want to grab that uh, okay Mike Cal has confirmed he can do that sure we'll make it a Patreon reward level I don't even if it's just for one person because that's a thing Will if you subscribe to our Patreon we will reward even one person even one dollar because you may go on there and find the one thing that you like okay I, I mean it's not a really effective business model to yeah, cater to everybody's individual needs for just one dollar but sure if it's easy in this case let's do it let's just not let it set a a precedent. Maybe we've got a listener who may be a lawyer who isn't willing to tell us that he's a lawyer who can give us some legal advice on whether we're setting an unholy precedent. <laughs> uh, I'm currently listening to episode 218. I found you guys about six months ago and I've been binging on Tofop, Philosophy, and That's Awesome every day as I drive my train. Keep up the insanity. Chris the train driver. Doctors, lawyers, maybe, and train drivers. Sarah writes in, Hi, Charlie and Will. I have no suggestions for discussion topic, just something I wanted to say. Good. All right? She wants Good, to say something. because we're getting towards the end. This of isn't episode, a question. So that's handy. This isn't a, this isn't a question. It's, uh, it's more of an observation. 
No. She wants to say, I want to thank you for the hours of entertainment of the last few years. When I was at uni many years ago, I loved Triple J and TV shows like Good News Week and The Glass House. I left Adelaide in 2004 after uni and spent five years living in the UK where I had no problem finding a style of humour and culture that I enjoyed. After the UK, I spent three years living and working in Japan where the Western culture was very all-American. Just like Arnold Schwarzenegger, Ben Richards, (laughs) all-American. And the Japanese culture eventually sent me crazy. When I moved back to Adelaide in 2012, I struggled to find content that satisfied my slightly odd sense of humor and interests. I felt surrounded by popular culture that just doesn't do it for me. Ed Sheeran gives me the creeps. <laughs> A little fucking drive-by there for Ed Sheeran. I felt very disconnected from where I grew up as it's changed so much since I first moved away. One evening, I came across Gruen on TV, which led me back to Will's comedy show at Adelaide Fringe and then to Tofop. From Tofop and the podcast recommendations from both of you, I have found a bunch of other podcasts that I download on a regular basis. This has helped me find music, movies, TV series, and comedy that I actually enjoy. In a roundabout way, it's also led me back to being a regular, Adela- a regular at Adelaide Fringe this year, and a friend and I are planning a weekend in Melbourne for the comedy festival. So thanks for help feeling me a little le- making me help. Sorry, thanks for helping me feel a little less out of place. Sarah, pronounced. Uh, God damn it! I mean, you're gonna get all the way to the end of the email, and then you're gonna tell me how to pronounce your name. I'm gonna fuck it up. It's Sarah, pronounced as if there was an H at the end. So Sarah. <laughs> that does seem yeah, like something like you, you should it- lead with. Hi, it's Sarah. Yeah. Sarah, pronounced Sarah. <laughs> But yes, I listened to Tofop in chronological order. The early episodes were great. I run a lot. Uh, I, I run a lot, and I remember giggling like cra- like a crazy woman during a run at six a.m. to an episode with Justin, where you discussed favorite takeaway foods and how much you like halloumi. <laughs> yeah, that checks out. I mean, that's some of the gentler comment from the early episodes, though. Yeah. PPS. My social basketball grand final last year was postponed because of Ed Sheeran. So many people were going to the concert. So many people were going to the concert that many teams were low on players, so the organizers postponed the games. For the record, I disliked Ed Sheeran long before this. What I love she, is that this letter is drive only about two things. It's about how much she likes us and how much she hates Ed Sheeran. <laughs> PPPPS, any suggestions for Melbourne Comedy Festival? Well, Ed Sheeran's doing a show, actually, so you should go and see that. <laughs> It's called uh, Right Said Ed. It's with uh, one of the guys from Right Said Fred and Ed Sheeran uh, doing a double act. Go, come and see my show. It's called Will Informed. It starts on Wednesday. Go and see Justin's show. Uh, so his show, The Ballad of John Tilt Animus, um, He it, it's, it's an amazing show and it just won Best Comedy Show at the Adelaide Fringe Festival. So I would recommend anyone who's a listener to this podcast who knows Justin and likes his stuff, go and see his show at the Comedy Festival. Uh, Daniel, hey, Tofop. Here's another tantalizing Tofop tidbit. I'll start by saying Tofop and Two Guys are the two podcasts my partner and I always listen to together. So thanks for the content. And that's something we're fascinated by, isn't it? People who listen to our show. I mean, I'm fascinated by couples who both listen to it, but people who listen to it together, that's like one level above that. I mean, listening to a podcast with anyone, maybe in a car, I guess maybe in a car, if you're driving somewhere, I would like to know, I'd like some further information. How do you listen to it together? Like, are you in a car? That yeah. seems like the most logical of situations. Is it an around the house? Would you just put a podcast on like while you're both like, I don't know, making dinner together or something like that? You whack the podcast on. Or cleaning um, or something. 
Silent disco style. Is there a chance that you both you you whack it on and you kind of sync up at the start of the podcast and you both push play and then you sort of wander through the house in your own like headphones, but occasionally you're just like you know laugh or whatever and you might stop and discuss the thing with each other. I want to know if you listen to a podcast together. What's the circumstance? Okay, now to my story. I'll set the scene. It was a sunny Melbourne morning. I had been on leave from minor surgery after minor surgery and had slept in. The sleep in meant that I missed the dogs. I missed the dogs at the park, so I had to take our Labrador Mowgli. Oh, how do you pronounce um, the guy from the Jungle Book? Mowgli. Mowgli, I believe. Mowgli. Mowgli. Uh, so Mowgli. I had to take our Mowgli. Mo- Mowgli. 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 So I had to take Mowgli. I had to take our Labrador Mowgli. <laughs> For a Let's walk. say Mowgli. Cannot pronounce human or pet names. <laughs> um, we left our we left for our adventure, and as per usual, we got one and a half blocks from home, and Mowgli decided to poop. Being a good dog owner, I bent down, scooped up the waist, and since your episode discussing the morality of disposing poop bags, I always think of Tofop and where I should dispose of the waste. Too far to go back home, so we continued walking, only to hear someone call out. A smiling man was walking over to me from across the road. Taking my headphones out, I said, Good morning, is everything okay? That is when I realised he was dragging a garbage bin. He then said, Hi, I noticed you had a poop bag and I hate carrying them around. You can put it in my bin. Shocked, I said a very big thank you. The man had taken the time to wheel his bin across the street to let me dispose of a bag of poop. So that settles it. Charlie was right. <laughs> no, it doesn't. That it settles that that you can only put poop in somebody else's garbage, uh, like and if you're invited by that person, it's like being a vampire. You have to be invited into the garbage bin. You can't just like go into the garbage bin without being invited in. Yeah, and I've got to admit, since that discussion, well, it's been, I've learned a couple of things doing this podcast with you. One is not to yell at teenagers, and the second thing is I now try and be a bit conscientious about the dog poop. I won't say that I'm always dropping it in public bins or my own bin. Like sometimes it's like I can't, it's too far, this bin's fair game. But I am trying to, I am trying to better myself. And I think that's all we can really do, Will. Yeah, this has been a real project where you've got better and I've got worse, I think. But you know, I'm, I'm a real hater. <laughs> uh, okay, we've got a, a couple of Patreon to go, but let's just do our last regular team. Now, this is from Priscilla. She says, hey, Tofop lads, you are doing a great job. I love listening to you dribble shit. Keep it up. Priscilla, queen of the Wimera. All right. Great. Priscilla's into it. Okay. W- Wimera? Uh, Maybe? Wimera. What did I say? Wimera? Wimera? It might be Wimera, Wimera? but it might be Wimera. Okay. So we've got a few. Uh, this is great. People are really responding to this uh, winner sticker book. We actually have a backlog of Patreon, but we don't have time to get through some today. Maybe next week we can get to our backlog of Patreon messages. But this is from Sam. Hey, Tofop. Oh, hang on. Let me just reduce this. Hey, Tofop. I'm not sure I'm supposed to start this. Here's another tantalizing Tofop tidbit. Tofop. To be honest, I lost track of Charlie's instructions. I started a new job uh, this year, and I think of Charlie every morning. That's because I'm lucky enough to have an office with great views of a part of Melbourne's CBD. Every morning I walk into my office, I stare out the window and I say to myself, I own this city. <laughs> of course, this inevitably triggers an existential crisis as I realize I don't, in fact, own this city. And I am but one mindless lawyer drone plugging away in an office job, trying desperately to find meaning in an existence that is ultimately meaningless. Hang on, is this but, man, a, it's my view another great. lawyer? Did he say he was a lawyer? It's another lawyer. Well, we don't have verification that 
John was a lawyer. John Thompson was a lawyer. We're assuming he's a lawyer because it was written in legalese. But this is a bona fide lawyer. Sam is a lawyer. Uh, I wondered whether you guys were affected at all by the tragic passing of Keith Flint of Prodigy this week, which would have been last week, was it, or two weeks ago? A couple of weeks I won't ago. pretend to be a, a true trance or Prodigy fan, but The Fat of the Land was the first album I bought and I loved it. It really opened up my world to alternative music and I still listen to it regularly today. Do you guys remember the first album or record you bought? Do you think it reflects or has some bearing on the music you listen to today? Uh, so I, I can answer this quickly. Firstly, Keith Flint, I absolutely loved. Uh, I was a huge uh, Prodigy fan and particularly that Fatherland uh, album was, yeah, that was the time that Got I was massively album. into them. Got to see them at the Big Day Out a bunch of times. But um, I remember when uh, Breeze was like, you know, the hugest sort of Triple J hit, you know, going around the country. And mm. I saw them at that Big Day Out and it was about the same time as the Hottest 100. And I just remember seeing 60,000 people at the... SCG or the Sydney Footy Stadium or wherever it actually was, but it was in Sydney. I remember just going up and down to when they did Breathe at the Big Day Out and it was one of like the best moments I've ever had at a live music gig. Um, Keith Flint, uh, wherever he was from, Wessex or Sussex or like, you know, some British place that he was from, um, he owned a pub uh, in, in that uh, local village and um, he, uh, it had an open fire and it had a square jar above the open fire uh, so that every time he was putting wood in the fire and somebody made a joke about him being the fire starter, he would make them put money in the swear jar, which I thought was a great little story. First album you ever bought? First album I ever bought. Bought three albums at the same time. I remember it distinctly. Um, I might have talked about this before on the podcast, but um, it was with the Brashes voucher that I got for Christmas. And there were three very different albums. The first one was Boys Don't Cry. It was cassette tapes. Uh, uh, Boys Don't Cry by The Cure. Uh, and I'm still a huge Cure fan, going to see them in May. And uh, uh, then uh, it was John Farnham's Whispering Jack and it was Paul Simon's Graceland. They were the three albums I bought all at the same time. Uh, I Look, I didn't know a lot about Keith Flint, but I love Prodigy. That, like you said, 1997 or 98 when Fat of the Land came out was just such a massive album. And I, it's when I first actually started... I was out of high schools at uni. It's when I first started getting into acting and I was doing a couple of theatre shows at the time. And I just remember that album was on constant repeat like before rehearsals after rehearsals anytime we had a party like that was just like the su the summer of 97 98 it was very clear in my mind and i saw them at the big day out heaps of times as well and they were one of the best i'm not really into kind of like dance or electronic or anything like that but you could get into that if you're into i'm more of a rock and roll kind of guy and that was kind of like dance music for people who like rock and roll um, first album I ever bought was with my own money was Appetite for Destruction. First album I was ever given was uh, Phil Collins' No Jacket Required <laughs> by an auntie who did not know anything about me. Although I stand by Studio uh, being a good song. <laughs> anyway, guys, I'm a long-time listener of all the podcasts in the Top Up universe. I'm very thankful for all the hours and hours of entertainment and occasionally insightful, in, insightful conversation you've provided. Can I just say in particular that I admire and respect the open conversations you guys have about mental health. Conversations, conversations like this are necessary if we're ever going to break down the stigma that is associated with mental health issues. So I genuinely think you guys are playing your part and making a difference. And thank you for that. Cheers, Sam. If you prefer, I'd, uh, I'd prefer you don't mention my last name. What? I was going to say, I'm not going to get any, any details, but I've had a lot of you know, up-close dealings around the mental health area of late. And um, it, it's, it's such a complex you know, area and like it, it's when people are out there absolutely most vulnerable. And I do think there is such a massive stigma in our society against 
you know, mental health and misunderstanding of what, you know, mental health issues are still that, um, you know, it does prevent, you know, those people who, you know, need the help being able to get the help or being able to access the help or being able to get the right help because Mm. we still see it as something, you know, shameful or we see it as something that we can't talk about or that if you do talk about people don't really understand what it actually really means. And yeah, I do Mm. think like it's hard because I think part of the reason that we don't speak about it a lot is when somebody's going through something like that, that, you know, a lot of what they value is, you know, their privacy and, you know, that it is quite an intimate thing. So I understand that. So that's why I admire when there are people who've, who have got to a point where they can openly share, you know, about their mental health. You know, our friend Osher is a, a great example. I mean, he wrote a book back after the break about his struggles around his mental health and he's become, you know, if you listen to Osher's podcast, he's become an amazing communicator around his journey with his specific, you know, mental health journey and what's helped and what hasn't helped. And so when people like that, you know, are at a point where they can so openly talk about it and share that with people, I think there's a great deal to be admired about those who, um, you know, share that and are so generous with sharing that because I absolutely agree with what our uh, letter writer said. And I, th- I feel like the and I feel like there is a shift happening. Like I, I can sort of see it in the way it's written about and the way people are coming forward. And I think, you know, for me, and I, you know, I don't have like a, my mental health is generalized anxiety, which is like, you know, I guess it's sort of garden form variety of mental health. But I didn't realize how it was having an effect on me. And seeking help was actually one of the best things I've ever done. And it's one of those things too where you. And I think maybe it's a male thing where you think maybe you don't need to ask for help or there's people with real problems and, you know, are you wasting time? Maybe you should toughen up. But asking for help or actually just being honest about where you're at with people, like, do it. Let people know what, how you're feeling. If you need help, if you don't know what to do, someone might know what to do. And there are people, there's professionals who can help you. So that would be my one recommendation is if you feel like you need help, ask for it. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with asking for help. Like I'm going to rehab at the moment around my hips and trying to get my body, you know, a bit better than it's been. And your mental health is exactly the same. Like I've gone to an expert because I need expert help. Like sometimes you are not, just because it's your life doesn't mean that you always have the best advice for yourself. In fact, sometimes you have really Mm. terrible advice for yourself in regard to your own life. And sometimes just having an external opinion on your life or an external eye on your life that can give you some guidance can be a really important thing okay uh amanda writes in hey tofop i'm not sure if this qualifies as a tantalizing tofop tidbit tidbit but i need your help with a tofop sticker book sheet (laughs) okay it's gone hard on the gone hard on this on the on the sob story my grandparents are great but they're also old in their old age they've ceased giving any fucks which means they still have photos of me with my ex-boyfriend around the house. This includes one large family photo printed on canvas where he's standing annoyingly towards the front. I've been married to my husband for almost a year and a half and dating for more, more than two years before that, so they have had plenty of time and content to replace those photos with. They have not done anything with this, so I've decided it's time to redecorate. I plan on a covert operation on my next trip to Brisbane from Melbourne, where I would like to use the Tofop sticker book to improve their photo collection. I'm not sure I can add much comedic or Tofop value through this request, although if I encounter any shenanigans during this completely normal activity in my grandparents' home, I will be happy to share it with you. Here is my address because I hear that helps, Amanda. I mean, look, Sam, great letter. Lots of compliments. I'm all for it, but we have to help Amanda out, right? Absolutely, we have to. I feel like Banksy. 
This is brilliant. Yeah. Like I feel like we're actually <laughs> helping writing a wrong in this situation. It feels very noble. It feels like when, uh, you know, Robin Hood uh, you know, stops being, you know, Robin of Loxley and goes and actually fights for the working people. This is... This is all I imagined this would be. In fact, I'm disappointed it's taken us this long for this to happen. Amanda, you are the winner of this week's sticker book pack. If you could document it in some way, I don't know, just snap some photos of your iPhone, show us like how well you've gone. And uh, like, if you want to, if you want to document it in an email, but maybe send us some photos, uh, we'd read it out on air. That'd be great to know how this mission has gone. I'll try and send that this week. Um, okay, we're done. Thank you for listening to the show. Uh, like I said, if you want to support the show, you go to patreon.com forward slash TOFOP or you can uh, 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 buy a movement watch or a movement sunglasses or one of our sponsors' great products. Um, you can – oh, also, I need to plug, the, I need to plug the, the YouTube series, Lessons for Life. I forgot to say, we're getting more views, but I need everyone to go and click play on each video twice. I said this a couple of weeks ago, but I'm saying it again. I want to get to 20,000 views on at least the first four videos. So if could, everyone could go to Tofop TV on YouTube, go to the Lessons for Life playlist and hit play on each video twice. You don't even have to watch it, but I'd prefer you did. I think you'd like it if you watched it. Check it out. It's funny. But just go and hit every video, play twice, so the numbers go up. I think that um, Mike Hell has already put up the phone ring. Uh, so I think that is already up and about as requested earlier in this episode so people can uh brilliant can download that if you're uh, interested in that and also we should mention james fosdyke's exhibition that he is doing uh in melbourne cheeky boy during the comedy festival where he's you know um uh, there's a whole lot of um art that he's gonna that he's done for comedy shows and for tofop and for my stand-up shows and the dollop and a whole bunch of other stuff that he's doing uh an exhibition for a, a few weeks yeah, I've got the details here. So it uh, starts on May 27th, which is Wednesday. Not May 27th. Wednesday? Oh, March sorry, 27th. Um, uh, March 27th. March 27th. And it is at Lamington Drive. And the address of Lamington Drive is... Oh, no, I just lost it. <laughs> I had it, but then I hit backspace on my computer. No, I've got it. Everyone relax. It's 52 Bud Street in Collingwood. Uh, it's open between 11 and 6 p.m. So if you want to uh, support Foz, go down and check out his artwork. It's amazing. Like when you go to visit Foz in his studio and you get to the artwork up close, not on your laptop, it's incredible. There's so much detail. It's so beautifully drawn. Um, also, we're doing our live show on the 5th uh, at a, a space just around the corner from Lamington Drive. I believe all tickets are sold out. Um, thank you for the guys, especially Patreon. You guys had early access and you sold out pretty much all of them in the first like two hours. Um, but there's a few regular listeners who are coming as well. So we're very Another excited about that. Another good reason to um, uh, sign up to the Patreon page as well. Is to get early tickets. Um, so we'll be in Melbourne on uh, April 5th uh, to do a, a live TOEFOP with a very special guest, James Fosdyke, where I assume we'll just talk about his artwork, right? We haven't really planned it, but I assume that's what we'll do. <laughs> Yeah, I guess so. I mean, we'll talk to him. We'll have some fun around the art. We'll have some good TOEFOP memories. I, I don't know what we'll do. It'll be fun. And we're planning on recording uh, the entire episode with video cameras. It's a little invention called video cameras. So we'll put that up on the Patreon as well. So if you didn't get a ticket and you're desperate to come, there will be a video version of that show. All right. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. And we have high uh, pitched voices at the end of our sentences. <laughs> <laughs> This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates.
I mean, if you want, it's, it's up to you. 